Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework. Episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework. Welcome back to The Rework, friends. We are in the middle of November, and we are up to our eyeballs in portrait sessions at the studio. I'm sure you are all crazy busy. But I wanted to insert this podcast episode about directing a shoot for all those of you who are going down for the count, who are feeling like, I don't have it in me to do one more portrait session. All my ideas of directing kids have gone out the window or I'm sick of using the same thing. So I wanted to talk today about directing a shoot. This is a topic that I get asked about almost more than any other. Is like, how do you get those expressions? What are you doing in the shoot? I realized relatively early on in my business that my clients weren't just hiring me for my photographic skills alone. Your clients might not say it, but they are actually hiring us as a director of the photo session. Our photo shoots are similar to a Hollywood movie set. This is whether you're on location or in studio, where the director is in charge of and responsible for absolutely everything that is happening on that set. And a good director collaborates with the actors, the producers, but every decision she makes and every direction she gives is in an effort to maintain a strong, consistent vision for that movie. And that should be no different when you are directing a photo session. As the director of your photo session, your client expects you to take control and create amazing images of her family, of her children. So in this episode, we are going to talk about doing just that assuming control of the session, establishing your point of view, posing your subjects, and then directing them to bring out their personalities and unique expressions. Like it or not, when you're commissioned by a client to photograph their family, the client will hold you responsible for the end results. So everything is our fault, even when it isn't. It doesn't matter that you advise the clients against horizontal stripes for their chubby tween. If that kid looks fat in the final images, the client is going to see that as your fault. You are going to take the credit or the blame for the final product, so take control of the process to get there. I want to give you a few hands-on tips that will allow you to take control in a friendly yet firm way. You're responsible for the music, the energy, the atmosphere, the direction, and ultimately the final result. You know already that you're responsible for making good images. So your actors, quote unquote, are your subjects, their moms are the producers providing the funding for your project, and you will be held accountable by your producers for the finished product that you are ultimately responsible for everything that happens on your set. So take control of that in a way that allows you to control all aspects of the shoot. How you take control or not is a function of your personality. So let's talk a little bit about your director profile. 
as a photographer, your personality and how you interact and direct your clients is as much a part of your style as how you use light and composition in your images. Do you see yourself in some of these descriptions? Maybe you're a techno weenie. This photographer is either so in love with his gear or so intimidated by it that he doesn't take time to engage with the subjects he's photographing. The techno weenie spends way too much time stressing about technical details, working the light, or performs death by posing. And consequently, those images end up stiff and boring. I think all of us, if you've been photographed during your childhood, your mom hired a photographer. We've all been in situations where we've been photographed by a techno weenie. That guy's over there like fiddling with his camera and just the subjects almost seem incidental. He's just so busy with the gear. So consequently, you're not going to get great expression. It's going to be very stiff, very boring. Might be beautifully lit, might be amazingly captured, but the expression, the energy is not going to be great. Maybe you're a doormat. This photographer allows kids and our parents to take control of the shoot completely and wonders why the client isn't happy with the final result. Wishy-washy in her approach and lacking the confidence needed to take control, the doormat is a magnet for the type of client who lives to make a photographer's life or at least the shoot a living nightmare. The doormat attracts the kind of clients that's like, I'm going to send you my Pinterest board with all of my ideas and I'm going to need you to do every single one of these poses for me. And then they just do that. And so because they're letting the mom, the client, direct the shoot, they have no control. And so then there's little consistency in style. And usually the kids are crazy and it doesn't work out the way that it's supposed to be. And because you don't, there's not a strong, clear vision that the photographer has, generally the client's not really happy with that either. Maybe you've had experience with a photographer who's the flake. As the name implies, this photographer is just flaky, disorganized, late, and unprepared. The flake makes the shoot difficult for everybody. Interestingly, the flake tends to be the first person to complain about how difficult her clients and subjects are to deal with. She may be a very talented photographer, but the flake won't go far without some structure to her business life. So the flake might never return phone calls or not return them on time, Or the flake might show up and the first time they ever meet the client is in the session when they show up at the park and then if they show up on time or at all. And so, of course, nobody listening to this podcast is going to be the flake, but you might've been photographed by a flake. So you know that we don't want to be that. And maybe we're flaky in some aspects. Of course, we would never not show up for a client, but maybe our processes, there's an area of our processes in our business that are being flaky with our clients? Like, do we have a good system for reminding them about shoots or reminding them about what they need to bring? Or are we doing consultations so that they know what to wear and they know what to expect? Some things to think about. Perhaps you might be a dictator. The dictator is the iron-fisted despot of photography. The dictator has her creative process on lock and her sets and poses reduced to a formula. There is no room for serendipity on the dictator's set. Maybe she's afraid of losing control, Or maybe she has her go-to technique figured out and doesn't want to venture beyond that. Either way, the dictator limits her creativity by not allowing for open-ended interaction with her subjects. And her lack of experimentation means that she misses out on happy accidents that could teach her something new. Maybe you're the boss. The flip side of the doormat is the photographer who has the boss personality profile. She's not afraid to take control of whatever's happening on her set. Bring her your uncooperative, naughty kids from hell, and she sees that as an interesting challenge. 
As the CEO or the director of her shoot, the boss is happy to direct, but also enjoys a collaborative relationship with her clients. She's savvy enough to keep her eye on the bottom line equation, which is happy kids plus great images equal a satisfied client. Maybe you're the Pied Piper, part comedian, part circus clown. The Pied Piper has many tricks up her sleeve to keep kids interested in what's going on. She never lets the energy lag and constantly keeps her subjects guessing. One minute, she may be snorting like a pig. The next, she's whispering about the bird in the tree outside the window. The Pied Piper wants her subjects to have a great time, but she also wants to get the job done. All the tricks and cajoling have one purpose in mind, get the shot. Maybe you're the queen of calm. This photographer doesn't let anything ruffle her feathers. She's particularly good with newborns and shy children because her energy is low key and easy to be around. She has a vision for every shoot, but prefers to let it unfold naturally rather than give too much direction. She may get down on the floor and play with her subjects or be a fly on the wall, capturing them at play in a more photojournalistic style. Don't be fooled by that calm exterior. She may seem low key, but she always gets her shot. So do you find yourself in any one of those? Maybe a combination. I'm definitely a combination of the bossy and the Pied Piper. I wish that I was more calm, but I'm not. And what I found is that if you have an area of lack in your direction where you feel like just myself as an example, because I am a Pied Piper and I am bossy, my personality can be a little much for shy kids or babies. I can be a little much. And especially now with COVID, coming out of COVID, toddlers and little kids right now, they haven't really been around a lot of people. And I find that sometimes I'm just blowing their doors off by coming in hot with you know my normal routine. So it's really helpful for me to have an assistant who has a different energy than I do. Stacy, who is also does our retouching and is also an associate photographer, she is has a much sweeter, calmer demeanor than I do. And she doesn't overpower. And so if I have a shy kid, if I've, I've met with the mom ahead of time, and I, so I know because of our consultation, I know that she has kid number two is a slow warm-up, tends to be overwhelmed, he's shy, then I know that's the kid I'm going to direct Stacy to. She can start to interact with him and kind of whisper to him and talk to him in a calm way and get him acclimated. Same with babies. We call Stacy our baby whisperer. So that's one way to realize like we don't have to be all things to all people. We can have people in our business that can help us make up for the areas that we lack. So if you tend to be shy and quiet and you don't really like to direct, maybe you have an assistant that is the director and that can rally everybody up and come on, let's do this. Let's get over here and puts everybody in and can get the expression going. And then you're just the fly on the wall capturing that. That works as well. So it's just some things to think about when you think about how it is that you are directing your shoot, how it is that you are bringing your clients in, where do you start, where do you end up, and how is that going? Are you doing it as intentionally as maybe you might? So let's go back to the beginning about being prepared for a shoot. I think it goes without saying that you need to have your lights, if you're using them, your camera, and anything else you need set up and ready to go before your clients arrive. If you're photographing on location, arrive early and set up so that you can spend time connecting with the kids, not worrying where you're going to put your lights or where you're going to find the light. Moms have enough on their minds getting their kids ready for the shoot and getting everybody dressed and down there. So don't add waiting around for you to their list of things to worry about. Also, I would add 
when you're new in your career and maybe not as sure of yourself, I've seen photographers ask the moms, well, well, what do you think? Well, where do you think we should shoot? Like maybe if you're shooting in their home or even when you're meeting at a park, that's not a question that I would ask a client. I would have that figured out. I would arrive early. I would have my shots set up. I would know I'm going to shoot over here. I'm going to shoot over here. We're going to do the group here. We're going to do the breakouts here. We're going to do the individuals over here. I would have that figured out. Even if that was in their home, I would go a little bit early or on another time to scout out what that situation was. So my number one goal, which is why I do an in-person consultation, I get the rundown on the kids ahead of time so that I know who these kids are before I ever meet them. I know their names. I know what they're into. I know their, you know, their mom has shared a lot of information uh, with me. So when everybody arrives, my goal, number one, is to establish a connection with the kids within the first minute or two that they arrive. I have specifically instructed my clients during that consultation, I've let the moms and parents know that they are not to threaten, bribe, or nag their kids on the way to the session because that's going to make them think that it's not going to be fun. And I have that in big red bold letters in a, a sheet that I give them to take home. No threatening, bribing, or nagging at all. That we are all about the fun. We're going to go see Miss Allison. It's going to be awesome. And then after we get done, we're going to go get lunch or we're going to go get dinner. We're going to do something that's going to remind us that this was a fun memory. I also tell them in the consultation that I will be completely taking control of the shoot, that they don't have to worry about anything. So if the kids are little, when they arrive, I immediately get down on their level. And that might mean just immediately walking and sitting on the floor, getting down on my knees. I'll shake their hands. I'll introduce themselves. And I might make a joke like, okay, guess who's the boss of you for the next hour? Or guess what? You don't have to listen to anything your parents say for the next hour. And they love that. They think it's so funny. And it also reminds the parents that I really am going to take control. And then they'll kind of look at, they might look at their parents and be like, yeah. And I'm like, well, but you have to go home with them. So probably don't be totally naughty. But if your mom and dad talks to you, we might have to put them in timeout. They just think that's so hilarious. The whole concept of their parents getting in trouble makes them so happy. So I have the sheet, the, the, I have my consultation sheet that I filled out during the consultation. I have that before I walk into the front, before the clients arrive. So that I've kind of figured out, okay, the 13-year-old is named Johnny, the 12-year-old is named Tess. You know, I have the names down and I might even have it in my hand as I walk out there. So just having that little bit of time before they get there, not just gear, not just knowing where I'm going to shoot, but mentally being prepared for the age and personality of the kids that I'm looking at on this sheet I know I'm going to act differently. If it's little kids, it's going to be a very quick introduction and we're going to be like, come on right in. Let's get going. Let's get this done. If they're older teenagers or whatever, then I'm going to probably take a little bit more time and chat with them about school or you know, kind of tease with them or whatever. So the two unbreakable rules I have on set is that there's only one camera on set. No iPhones, nor other cameras. If they want to Instagram a quick behind the scenes shot of their kids being photographed, I'll have them take a shot and then put it away. It's not because I think they're going to get a great shot and then not buy them from me. It's because I don't want the kids looking at them and mugging for their phone camera and not being engaged with me. It's too confusing for the kids to be looking multiple places. And especially now 
with everybody's got their kids on Instagram every five seconds. They've got the cheesy smile. They have their standard poses. It's just exhausting. And you can't be doing two things at the same time. The other rule, in addition to only one camera on set, is only one director on set. So as parents, we are so used to directing and correcting our kids that it really is impossible to turn that off. And so, especially with new clients, even though I've told them in the consultation, they will start to try to direct their kids. Like, smile, quit doing that weird thing. Stop doing that. Look over here. Don't sit like that. All that kind of stuff. So I will let them get a couple of directions out of their system. And then I will look at the kids and I'll say, did they just talk to you? And the kids are like, yes, she's telling me what to do. Then I look back at mom and I'm like, okay, do you need to have a timeout? Are you going to be okay? And the kids just, they die laughing. They think that is the funniest thing. That is some of the best expressions I get is that threatening the mom for the timeout. And then even better expressions is when you actually put the mom or the dad in timeout. It's just hilarity ensues. That works really good with the, the, you know, six, 10, 12 set, the 12 and under the, the parents in timeout is really, really good. And usually 99% of the time, the parents are really good sports and they will go along with that and kind of just laugh. But sometimes the problem is more protracted. So I might suggest that mom or dad go do some shopping at the store next door or go play with your phone up in the front lobby or whatever. And I might have to have them leave the room. I don't really like to do that. I prefer to have the parents in there because I love them to see what their kids are doing and kind of enjoy the show. And because I've kind of got this down to a science as far as being able to control the room and to direct my own shoot and keep the parents out of it, I usually can really run that and then they can sit and watch it and it's really fun. And so my existing clients that have been around for a while, they know, they just show up, we get the whatever pictures that they are in and then they can sit and watch their kids and it's actually part of the experience for them and they totally love it. But sometimes you get I call it team JonBenet Ramsey. You know, you get a mom that is just like not going to let it go. And she's just going to be in there like beating her kid down mentally or whatever. And it's ruining the energy of the shoot. And then I will suggest that that mom go shop or go wait in the front because I want to be able to have good energy and I want to be able to have natural smiles for these kids. I think one of my favorite things about being a portrait photographer, if not my favorite thing is interacting with my subject during a shoot. I love to watch natural expression. I love to watch a kid come in who is doing like the cheesy, painful grin. I love to be able to take them from that, what they think I want, into really seeing their personality. And it does take a bit of time, especially if they've been completely ruined by their parents, which most have, or by school photographers into doing that super cheesy smile. That super cheesy smile tends to come around about five or six years old, I've noticed. And so it just takes a bit of time and a little bit of work to overcome that. So what I want is I want candid moments in a controlled setting. I'm shooting 100% in studio. I don't shoot on location. So I'm already in a fake environment with fake lights. Everything is a controlled artificial setting. So what I need to be real and what I'm committed to having be real is my subject's expressions and personality and the relationship between them. So my goal is to have that real, that reality in the expression and the interaction. So with a single kid, a single subject, that's their expression or their personality. And if there are more than one subject in a shot, 
I love to show that relationship. So I'm always directing for that result. So how do you overcome the cheesy smile? A couple of quick tricks for this are to direct them to do something completely ridiculous, like to blow a raspberry, which is like, you know, to do like, stick your tongue out at me or roll your eyes or give me the biggest fake laugh ever. And it's not that you're photographing what you directed them to do. It's you're photographing what they do after they've done that silly thing. So you might say something like, did you just toot? Oh my gosh, that is so stinky. So if they're boys, oh my gosh, that's like any fart jokes are huge. That's always good. Especially if you say, ask if their sister tooted, that's also hilarious or the mom. Not every client you can get away with that. So you kind of got to look at who you're dealing with. If they are having a really tight mouth, so they might have the super cheesy smile. So the really tight grin. Or when you say, okay, let me see, you know, smile at me, but with no teeth, they're going to get like a really tight mouth. So that's where I'd say, well, breathe through your mouth or blow a raspberry or stick your tongue out, stick your tongue out at your sister. I just ask them to do something that's ridiculous. And then their reaction to the ridiculous request usually will elicit a normal or a more natural response. All the while that I'm shooting, I am always looking for gestures. So little things that make an image. And so I'm always having an eye for that detail. So watch for those subtle things like distinctive gestures or mannerisms. What are they doing with their toes, with their feet, with their hands? Anything really will tell you what's going on with them. So if they might be really tight in the mouth because they're nervous or they might be hunching up their shoulders into their ears. And so you can see that it's not natural. So I might say, okay, drop your shoulders down. Okay, shake your back. Okay, look over here. No, look away from me. And then when I say one, two, three, look back at me and then look away and then look back. And so they might do that a few times and then they think it's funny, you know, or they'll look back at me. And when they look back, when they look back at me, I'll like jump and be like, they surprised me or something. And so they think that's funny. So anything that I can get them to where you're engaging their mind in something other than they're being photographed and they need to smile and be good, I found to be really, really helpful. So probably one of my top 10 tricks, just a few things for good expression are I might go quiet. So I might've been like giving direction. Okay. Okay. Everybody over here. All right. You're here. You're here. You're doing this. Turn your feet this way. Turn your foot that way. Look over here. So I've done all this. I've kind of got everybody in a group. And then, so they're used to this tone of voice. And then I might go, did you hear that? And then they'll kind of stop. And that can give you a really good quiet expression, especially if you're photographing an individual child and you want that really soulful look, not where they're doing a big cheesy smile, but kind of more like really aware, but not super big smile. So I might say, did you hear that? Did you hear that birdie outside? And they'll kind of look to the side. That's obviously for little kids. Or I might say, can I tell you a secret? And then their eyes will get really big and they kind of lean in a little bit, which is kind of fun. Another thing that if we're photographing people together, So we'll get everybody kind of posed and you can tell that when you've overposed people, they're too stiff. They've got the cheesy smile. It's like, they're like, you can see in their eyes, they're like, okay, come on, move it along. Are we done yet? And they're bored. But sometimes you get to that point because you, especially we do a lot of larger families. So we might have four five, six, seven kids in a family and it takes a minute to put all that together, just even from a graphic standpoint of like head heights and putting people in together and all of that sort of thing. So it it takes a bit. And so you can kind of cause death by posing at that point. And so how do you get them loose without getting them out of the pose? 
So I get them into the basic pose that I want them to. And then I'm like, all right, everybody kind of shake your shoulders. And then we have, we have a little bit of music going in the background, you know, just kind of some good, like it's got a good beat to it, whatever. So they can kind of feel it. I'm like, okay, feel the beat, kind of feel it, you know, and you know, some of them, the, the more extroverts among them might be silly and kind of be bouncing. Others, the dads are usually like, could we move this along? You know? And so um, I'll say, okay, just, ro- you know, relax your shoulders, roll your shoulders back. And then if they have little kids, I will definitely start messing around with the little kids. So let's say that we've got a six-year-old who's standing next to the 10-year-old brother and she's got her hand on him or whatever. Then I'll say, wait a minute, did I tell you you could touch my brother? And she'll kind of might get confused and look at me. And I'm like, you are touching my brother. I did not say you could touch my brother. And then they'll be like, no, it's my brother. And I'm like, no, that is my brother. And then they just think that's hilarious. And they might even hug him tighter because they're afraid I'm going to get their brother. Also works with the dad. Don't touch my dad. That is my dad. Why are you sitting on my dad's lap? I did not say you could sit on my dad's lap or my mom or whatever. So this works really well with like four to six-year-olds. Younger than four or kids that are very literal, it might be upsetting to them because you're like, no, this is my mom. I don't want you to touch my mom, you know, whatever. So you have to kind of like know your audience and and try some of this stuff out. It doesn't always work. Other things, I always work with an assistant because I've got to have somebody to not just move my light, but also kind of help me with some of the things. Like if it's just painful and these kids have been so overposed by their parents and so they're just they've been photographed a lot by other photographers that are like, sit down and smile, then I've got my work cut out for me. So they might be sitting there and just giving me the smile and they're super stiff. And so then I have to do, we have to create some kind of a performance for them. So that might be, again, little kids. Um, I might have Stacy come over and one of our favorite things to do is I'd say, okay, you guys, sometimes Miss Stacy is inappropriate. And she shakes her booty. And so I need you to tell me if she's shaking her booty because I can't tell because I'm looking through the camera. So if she starts shaking her booty, I need you to tell me, okay? And so they're like, okay. So then I bring the camera up and then Stacy comes over and stands kind of behind me as she turns around and starts shaking her booty. And they are like, she's doing it. And then of course I look up and she stops and I'm like, why are you telling on her? She's not, she's not doing anything. That's so mean. Don't tell stories about her. They're like, no, she is. And they just think it's hilarious. Now, the biggest downside with this is they might be pointing at her. So I'd say, okay, don't point at her. Just tell me that she's doing it. So that is, you know, hilarity ensues on Stacy shaking her booty. I've also done, hey, if your dad talks to you, I'm going to spank him. And so if I have a dad that's really a good sport, he might sit there with his butt out and I might be like, okay, I'm going to spank him. And then they think it's so funny that we're spanking dad. I will also tell them, okay, let me show you the different smiles. And so I'll do the big cheesy smile that they're doing. I'm like, okay, this is what you're doing. You're giving me like the big jack-o'-lantern smile. I'm like, so I don't want that one. And I'm like, let's do the sad face together. Let's do the crazy happy face together. Let's do serious face together. So I might run them through like three or four expressions. And then somewhere in that, as they're going between expressions, they're going to give me something natural that I can catch. One of the easiest, easiest, easiest things that I found, and this is for any age and any group, is I might say, all right, give me the bored supermodels look. Like you're just mean girls or like whatever. You know, and you can almost imagine what this looks like. You know, they're just kind of giving you like serious, sassy, fierce, whatever. And then I'll go, okay, now biggest fake laugh ever, go. Biggest fake laugh ever. And so some of them will just 
open their mouth and pretend like they're laughing. And I'm like, no, no, no. You have to actually do the laugh or it doesn't work. And then they might still just open their mouth and act like they're laughing and they look completely ridiculous. And so I have to like coach this a little bit. But when they do a fake laugh, it's like when you're having a bad day and you decide, you know what? I'm just going to smile. It's biologically proven that if you smile, you feel better. You feel happier when you smile. The same is true of a fake laugh. When you actually do it, (laughs) you know, and you're really doing like a fake laugh, it does light up your face. And so again, it's not necessarily the fake laugh that I'm trying to photograph. It's the back end of that. It's as they're coming out of the fake laugh and they've done that together. So they've done as a family or a group or a group of kids, they've done this ridiculously stupid thing, awkward, and so dumb that this photographer asked them to do. They've all done the fake laugh together. Okay, whatever. But they've done it together. And so it is kind of like unifying and it's fun. And they kind of look at each other like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. But they actually loosen up a little bit. So that is one that almost universally works. The other thing that I love, and this is a fun one, is I will ask, you know, okay, so in the entire family, who is the biggest brat? And then they might point to each other. And so obviously I don't want a picture of them pointing at each other, but it's the aftermath of that where the brat will be like, I am not. Or what's funny is that you'll have some kids that'll be like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, me. And they'll just own it and they're smiling and everybody else is like laughing. Another quick tip is if you feel like things are just getting too stiff and too boring with their expressions is I will have them look somewhere else. So I might have them, okay, look over at the door, look over at the door. Don't look at me. Look over at the door. Okay, on three, you're going to look at me and give me some love. Okay, so one, two, three, and then they'll look at me and it might work and it might not. Or look at the floor and that will get their chin down. So look down at the floor, look at the floor. Okay, and now with your eyes only, look up at me. And then somewhere in there, that will be a good expression because you know it's really hard to get people to get their chin down. Sometimes they'll pull it too back into their neck and it looks, it's really unflattering. But that chin down is going to give you the bigger eyes and look good, but it's getting the right chin down that is the challenge. So sometimes it's just looking at the floor, has them tilt their head down just where you need it to be, and then look up at me with only your eyes and then that gives you a really good shot. So some of these are good directions for groups. Some of them are better for individuals. The other thing that I find is just getting them moving. So having that music going, it's not usually really loud when I'm doing the first few shots. And then as we get going further into the shoot, and I know I've got the family group, I have the kids together, whatever. And then I I will always tell the kids, okay, we're going to do all the boring pictures first, and then we're going to do the fun pictures. And so they are motivated to do the fun stuff at the end. And if they're existing clients and they've come before, they know it's going to be crazy jumping dance party, super fun. Okay. So by the time we get to the end, they might be jumping, they might be doing karate kicks, they might be doing ninja, you know, they might be doing cartwheels, whatever. And then the music is getting progressively louder. But also what's happening is that my shooting percentage is getting lower and lower. So if you've ever photographed kids jumping, moving around, the shot percentage is very low. You're not going to be nailing every shot. But nailing every shot isn't the point. The point is, is that I want them to loosen up and have a good time. So while I've got them doing some fun things, then I might pull them back in to do a couple of breakouts, you know, dad and the girls, mom and the boys, that sort of thing. Then they've they've had some fun and they can come back in and then they can go back and have some fun. So the whole idea for our studio 
is to keep it fun, keep them moving so that we can get those natural expressions. And really, it's all about managing the energy on set. So yes, there are all kinds of things that you can say to direct a shoot. That's what you say, but it's also how you say it. If you want them to calm down or slow down, that's when you talk in a softer, calmer voice. So they have to strain to hear you. Or if you want to amp up the energy louder, my shoots are loud. There's a lot of like, woo, yeah, go. You know, there's a lot of like laughing and screaming going on. The energy on set is going to be determined by the time of day that you're shooting. So when you're scheduling these sessions and moms are coming in and saying, oh, I want to do it at four in the afternoon and they have toddlers, that's kind of a recipe for disaster. 10 a.m., generally better before their first nap of the day is the best. If there's no other time for that to happen and they bring kids in and they are tired, like maybe after school, I am going to give them candy. I'm going to sugar them up because I'm not about establishing their lifetime nutritional habits. My job is to get the shot of these kids being fun and having good energy. So I always am having constant encouragement too. So even if something isn't working, you've set up a pose, you've set up some kind of something and it's not working, I'm still going to just take that shot. Okay, great. Move on. Rather than, oh, no, that's not working. Oh, no. Can you move your hand over here? No. Yeah, no, that's not working. Because it's a vulnerable place to be in front of a camera. And so they want to be able to feel like they're being successful. So even if it's not, you've set them somewhere or they have an idea that they wanted to try, go ahead. Awesome. That's great. Shoot it. Or even just click the flash and let them think they got it. You know, click it a few times so that they feel successful. You're keeping the energy up. You're keeping things going. So to wrap this up, basically what we're doing when we are directing a shoot is we're directing for a specific result. I want to create an environment where these results can happen, where I can get the reality of the child, the personality of the child can come out, the reality or personality of the relationship to come out. So I want to give them something to react to. So I'm asking them to do ridiculous things, and then I'm looking for in-between moments. I'm trying to convey or elicit some kind of an emotion, whether I'm using humor, whether I'm using a dog toy that snorts like a pig. I might be the one, the dog toy that's snorting like a pig. And then directing for the moment after. So I'm not expecting to get a picture of the thing I've just asked them to do. I'm looking for the moment after. And then lastly, we're going to do some kind of a big finish dance party at the end or something that's wild that the kids can do tricks or do something fun that's going to give them a good experience where the energy is good and they feel like, this is really fun. We actually have a good time together as a family. That is the reward for doing the quote-unquote boring shots. And I'm always starting with the calm, more formal shots, and then just working my way to crazy. Most of my sessions end with the parents leaving either texting me, apologizing that their kids were so crazy or thinking, oh my gosh, I'm sure we probably didn't get anything. Or more often is I'll get a text from somebody that will say, yeah, my 13-year-old son that's hated pictures, that never likes it, said, yeah, that wasn't so bad. Or that they had a good time. Or when can we go back? So whether you're the techno weenie, the doormat, the flake, the dictator, the boss, the Pied Piper, or the queen of calm, look for the areas where you can do better. Look for the areas where you can elicit more real, natural expression from your clients. And then also look for areas where you can make the shoot itself fun and an experience for your clients because that's something that they really don't get. Family pictures, quote unquote, 
as the world thinks of it, is generally right, maybe teeth scraped as far as the men and boys in any given family would think. The girls love it. They get their picture taken all day long and want to have 55 different outfits. But generally, men and boys don't really love it. So how can you make it fun? And then as you take control and you step onto that set as the director, then the mom, the producer, doesn't have to do anything. She can just sit back and enjoy. The parents can sit back and look at their kids and think, wow, I'm really glad we did this. I'm really glad that we had these kids. Our life really is great. That's what I want for them. I want them at some point during that shoot to feel like, this was awesome. I'm so glad we had these kids. I'm so glad we have each other. You can see all of the personalities and the things that you love about your kids because it's easy to lose sight of that in the day-to-day as a mom or a dad. So I know that's a lot to ask. And I know that you're busy and I know that you're shooting your brains out and we're in that crazy time of year. But before your next shoot, maybe just take a minute and think, how can I make this experience amazing for them? How can I make this something that they have never experienced before? And how can I help them to feel closer to each other, more in love with each other and in love with themselves and just see the best in each other? And that all comes from being willing to be the director of your own shoot. So good luck. Stay the course. Don't be afraid. The year's almost over. The light's at the end of the tunnel and it's not an oncoming train, I promise. We're going to have time to rest soon. So good luck, everybody. I hope it's a great season for you and I'll see you on the other side. If you were listening to this podcast and wondering, what's this consultation form she's talking about and how is she getting all this information about these kids? I would love to be able to have you use my consultation form that we use every day in our business for your own studio. If you just go to dotherework.com, you can sign up there and it's available for download free of charge. I hope you use it. I hope you enjoy it and let us know how it can be improved or how it's working best in your business. You can find more great resources from Allison at dotherework.com and on Instagram at do.the.rework.com.